do we banter about how long it took us to get to this episode? That was kind of reasonable. Like, there, there was a blackout and stuff. and Yeah, there was a blackout. <laughs> like, we were all set to record yesterday. Then power went out for like an hour. And then two hours. And then three hours. And then the when the power company, uh, like, removes uh, the estimated time going on from its website, you know you're kind of in for the long shit. Welcome to Brokusatsu, two brothers' exploration of tokusatsu shows and associated media. I'm Harry. And I'm Sam. And Harry, Harry, what are you apologizing for? You um, know what you're apologizing for, Harry. The uneven audio quality, because now we're staring at the waveform, and like, I my voice is just, when we're on different tracks, we can equalize it better, but we're recording in the same room again, because it's been a while. But no, Harry, that's not what you're apologizing for. You know what you did. Say it. I Admit actually, it to the audience. I know we talked about this literally seconds ago, but I felt no guilt about it, so I immediately forgot. What am I? Oh my god, Harry! It, it's the glass. You oh. had a glass on the recording table that you were lifting up, drinking from, and putting back down on the recording table. Glass onto wood, with a microphone on the same table, Harry. Apologize for that. Yeah, yeah. So it's much better. It's much worse to occasionally have like a clink of a glass being picked up and set down than my voice becoming hoarse and really hard to listen to over the course of a long episode. Like, happened with a couple really important ones, like the fucking climax of Carbon Rider Double. That happened, so now I want to hydrate. But no, yeah, I'm getting shade thrown at me. Now, Harry, Harry, I'm not saying you can't drink during the episode, though. I mean, that that is kind of rough. We should pause and rehydrate. We shouldn't have rehydration in the middle of the podcast. No one likes to hear anyone drinking into a microphone. But what you should apologize for is disrupting the audio quality. The audio quality. The audio quality. <laughs> yes. The audio quality by having a hard glass on a hard table, Harry. I'm not the one to mock anyone's speech patterns as I've talked about. Oh boy. Let's just talk about. Look, this was supposed to be a happy episode. Why are we starting it? So, yeah, we're starting the anger now because we, we were usually able to get mad at Gaim for being Gaim and Zero One for not being as good as it could be. But now we watched a movie that was like. Yeah, it was pretty good. Like, I mean, I'm not sure if we're going to have, like, a spoiler break, but I guess, uh, spoiler, uh, we we both liked it. Yeah. Birds of Prey. And we we don't even, we haven't even liked most of the recent DC movies. Like, I, I, I don't know, calling myself a Marvel fan is a bit strongly of allegiance, because I, I would say that they're we're, just... Harry, we're fans of good movies. Yeah. <laughs> like, we like good movies, we don't like bad movies. And Marvel movies have been consistently pretty good like yeah they've got a formula where it's pretty much always a b minus to b plus like i'd say guardians of the galaxy is the guardians of the galaxies those two and then captain america the winter soldier are the only ones i think really got above that i don't know like thor ragnarok is weird enough that it might break out of the yeah thor ragnarok is yeah so it's it's the ones where it got weird and or possibly like i'm not sure i still have no idea how to rate like uh, Infinity War Endgame, because that doesn't feel like two movies, that feels like a single six-hour movie. Yeah. We're losing the thread here. Like, Marvel like, knows how to create quality product, and they have for a long time. DC hasn't. <laughs> yeah, like, their movies have been kind of garbage for a while. 
Well, uh, I mean, Wonder Woman was good. Wonder Woman was good. I hear Aquaman was good. Neither of us have seen it. We cannot confirm nor deny. Yeah. Uh, and, like, in the previews, even, there was previews for Wonder Woman 1984, which also looks good. Hey. And it's, like, in not having as much of a plan, they've had some low lows, but also they occasionally hit high highs, because Birds of Prey, the fantabulous emancipation of Harley Quinn, I think that's the name. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was pretty good. Yeah, it's... It's the version of Suicide Squad everyone wanted it to be. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's flashy, it's colorful, the soundtrack is actually good, and not just a couple poppy songs in the commercials, and then it's just, you know, mm-hmm. dramatic music, the rest of it. It was created by people who actually understand and like the characters, and who want to make a comic book movie. Yeah. Uh, so, I guess, let's do, are we doing... Uh, like okay, if you're if you're not interested in spoilers, like you know the five or six listeners that we have, um, I guess stop. Yeah, stop pretty much now, cause well, here, uh, uh, put in time codes, put in time codes, cause we're gonna be doing a game, or at least Harry says that we're going to be doing a game at the end of this. So if that actually happens, Harry, put in time codes. Otherwise, uh, by everyone who doesn't want to hear spoilers about Birds of Prey, not that we could really spoil. Birds of Prey. I mean, it's exactly the movie you think it is. I mean, it has a bit of a plot, but it's more in the character beats. No, it, it has a plot. It has a solid plot. It, uh, okay. It's just, it's the plot that you're expecting it so to So sad. Have. I'll say, enforcing, I'm going to enforce the rule of each of us can only make one statement bashing The Rise of Skywalker in episode. <laughs> and I'm going to use mine now, because we're talking about a movie. The Rise of Skywalker had a shallow-ass story that's constantly burning forward and dumb and complex in the worst ways. This movie is incredibly easy to follow, even though it's like flashing back and forward in time over all kinds of character beats and like introducing people at different points. Yes, it is. You're inside the mind of a crazy person. Yeah. And the movie is so coherent and it's incoherent. It's like it's, yeah, you can go from A to B to, well, you're not going from A to B to C. You're going from A to D to B to Z to T to X, but you follow it somehow. Yeah, like, so at the start of the movie, uh, Harley Quinn and his, apparently, it's almost like they're going with the deleted seed version of Suicide Squad, where (laughs) the Joker was angry at Harley Quinn and then kicked her out of the jet, which was like, which was the thing, though, would have actually been decent in that movie, like a character beat. But no, instead they, they did the, see, let's, let's remove this. Harry, I think we shouldn't talk about Suicide Squad because this movie barely remembers Suicide Squad. Like, (laughs) you don't. I think you don't need to have seen Suicide Squad to understand this movie. You might like it better having not seen Suicide Squad because then you wouldn't have Suicide Squad in your head. Yeah, you, you, your life would be better having not seen it. It's just Harley Quinn, she just broke back out of jail. Whatever, and I guess she yeah, got... Yeah, she's free. Whatever. Yeah, and also the Joker kicked her out and she is really broken up about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, At first. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it does a brief thing showing some... It, does the cliff notes of her backstory where she like uh grew up she studied to be a psychologist they also i mean they say also she had a few failed relationships and they do show like it's kind of cartoony because they're just flashing like scenes of her as a kid I and by it. cartoony we mean that it's literally a cartoon yeah, it's, it's a cartoon like it, yeah hand drawn whatever uh and you know they also just briefly show her with a few partners like two guys and also a girl so they're canonically showing, like, the, the main character of this movie is bi, so, you know, great. 
Yeah, like, Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn too. Hey, yeah, that, I would love. I would, I'm excited to see a sequel if they go that way. I guess. Okay, well, I'll just get this out of the way. I have a couple negatives on the movie. Um, the first of which is that there's no Poison Ivy and there's no Barbara Gordon. Like I was, I was almost willing to put money down that Barbara Gordon, you know, aka Batgirl, aka Oracle, would be appearing in this movie because how the hell do you have a Birds of Prey movie without Oracle? Uh- I but, think they're if they're trying to divest her from the Joker stuff, I mean, if they're going with the storyline where Joker shot Barbara Gordon into the spine and maybe did some other stuff, maybe introducing her at the same time would kind of be putting a lot in this movie. Like, they had a good amount of characters and they had exactly the right, right amount of time with them. So as much as I would love to see Ivy, as much as I would love to see Barbara, they had a lot to do. And I, I, I don't mind them keeping it for the sequels, you know? I mean that's true. That's true. It gives it gives them just unlimited space uh, for the sequels for this movie, which is great. But yeah. Like I I thoroughly enjoyed the entire cast. Um, there's a couple. They they also they well so let's just do a bit more of the intro. So she's broken up and she's going to she's hanging out in a club. She's not really open with everybody about having broken up with the Joker because being the Joker's girlfriend kind of gets you diplomatic community among the underworld. Because <laughs> so she was like. She's at a bar, like, a guy is mildly, uh, yeah, he, he just yells at her a little bit, so she jumps up and snaps both his legs. Like, what? Oh god, so much kneecap violence this movie, Harry. So, so much kneecap violence. Like, the, this movie, it's, it's gratuitous with violence in a way that you don't usually expect. Like, there's not just, like, lots of blood and gore, it's that just limbs get snapped in ways that limbs usually don't go. Oh, arms are not supposed to look like that movie. Yeah. Uh, and she just wanders out. She hears she she's in uh, like what is it roller derby? That? Yes, she is in a roller derby team. Yeah, which is canon. Yeah, uh, and she hear she goes to get drinks, comes back and hears them kind of bad mouthing her, saying like, yeah, this, this, she breaks up all the time, and she always goes crawling back to him. This is not gonna last. So she gets drunk. She kind of sees a chemical truck, and she just barrels it into Ace Chemicals, <laughs> and it explodes in the. Biggest, most colorful explosion. Uh, I love that shot. Like, they just, they had so much fun blowing up that arcane building. Yeah. All the green flames everywhere just dancing about. Like, yeah. With a beautiful soundtrack playing. Like, I've been listening to soundtrack at the gym. It's it's good. Uh, <laughs> and I I almost thought that maybe part of the plot would be all those chemicals causing people to go, like, crazy or something. Like, when a character coughed later in the movie, I was like, wait, are they doing stuff here? But no, no, it's just, it's Gotham, like... Oh, there's so many chemicals in the Gotham are already. Who can tell in Gotham if people go crazy? Because it's just, you know, it's just a bad city to live in. <laughs> we can kind of go a little freeform with the plot at this point, because yeah, the movie like, does. Yeah, because there, there's a crime boss. The bar she was at is uh, Roman Sionis, who I occasionally when a character showed up and I hadn't looked at the spoils of who they were, I would turn to Simon and be like, oh, is that Black Mask? And yeah, he said, it's Black Mask. Yep. And here's the thing that... If there wasn't so much LGBT representation among the, the protagonists, I'd be complaining about, they're queer coding the hell out of him and Zaz. Like, mm-hmm. it's not even really coding. Like, him and Zaz are a couple. Yep. Like, they're super evil dudes and also very gay and, like... Very gay in a very stable, loving relationship. And I like that they did that. And also just, they... He's weird and super insecure and just constantly lashing out at people. And it's great portrayals, because, like, normally, I think Black Max, he's just, like, crime guy, you know? And Zaz is just evil serial killer guy. Like, they they took characters and changed their, like, Huntress is 
a lot goofier than Huntress normally is when she shows up. Yep. And like, like she's the DC Punisher yeah. is what she normally is. Yeah. Renee Montoya, she they added the thing of like she's old on the force, which I don't think is usually her thing. I, at the time she was in the stories, her main problem was that she was like gay as a policewoman and that was a lot. It, it, you know, it's probably I mean, they probably just did that because they wanted to have Rosie Perez in the movie like they depending on who they decided to cast as Renee Montoya. Suppose they had cast Stephanie Beatrice from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Like, they could have done a lot of the same things, and, you know, then they would have changed the character background a little bit. Yeah. But it's just, in almost every case, I would say they took characters that were just kind of stock superhero, supervillain characters and did a fun spin on them. Mm-hmm. There's a There was one spin, like, um, I like to just highlight the negatives because they're very few and far between. Like, one character uh, change that I didn't really like was the Cassandra Kane. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So Cassandra Kane is a very specific character in the comics, and she's nothing at all like it in this. She's yeah, Cassandra Kane in the DC comics. She is a mute assassin, having been raised by like one of the uh, biggest hardcore assassins in the world to read body language and murder people. And she was discovered like after Gotham was destroyed by an earthquake, and was recruited by the DC team to become a hero. In this, she's kind of just a pickpocket. Well, and yeah, she's in foster care, so maybe in the next movie they'll, they'll do a thing of like, oh, your dad is a assassin. But really, I hope in the next movie they introduce another character who's Cassandra Kane's thing, but just use the name Stephanie Brown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they, they should have made her spoiler. Like, yeah, yeah, why like, didn't they make her spoiler? Like, 100%, if you, they just use the more recognizable name, but she's much more spoiler, which was a, she was like a character who came up in Gotham. She was kind of coming from well like her was her dad a supervillain or something or just a thief i i forget i think they've had a couple different versions like she had a rock background and she became a vigilante under batman's crew i think she died a couple times because that happens but but now she she, was briefly batgirl yeah but she's she also became batgirl and that kind of stuff so it would make a lot more sense for her to be in that kind of uh situation she was also briefly robin yeah sure uh so yep uh so roman sionis black mask he's doing crime stuff he's you know peeling faces off of people uh and uh he also is looking for this diamond thing and which is uh linked to the bertinelli family aka huntress uh and we we get a lot of flashbacks to huntress's origin which are some of like the bloodiest uh most like dramatic parts of the movie because she is the bloodiest most dramatic character of her entire family being wiped out and her being the sole survivor but yeah it's well seated because when we first see Renee Montoya, she's at the scene of an assassination that was Huntress, because Huntress is, like, hunting down people who killed her family. And, uh, like, but, like, we we keep that reveal for her later, but they just slowly, they slowly lay out stuff, because first they show, oh, there's this diamond that's related, related to the assassination of this family. And you build it up, but then you just keep rewinding and show how the people are interconnected. So her flashback is like the fourth one, because she's like the fourth main character, and that's only when you learn that she's that person, you know? Yeah, I kind of wonder, like, you know, we both went into the movie knowing exactly her backstory, knowing exactly uh, what was leading into this. If you didn't know that Huntress was, you know, Helena Bertinelli, aka the the child who survived that uh, massacre, I wonder how, like, the audience who didn't know that would put it together. Or if that would be, like, a a shocking reveal at, like, the two-thirds mark. Because... For a while, people don't know why she's doing what she's doing, because she's effective at killing them. Also, uh, nice, funny running gag. No one in town knows her code name because she doesn't leave survivors. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She's like, why are people calling me the crossbow killer? I'm the Huntress. We don't know that. 
Yeah. So eventually she just has to start telling people. Because uh, <laughs> also, it, it's funny because in the first hit where she's introduced, she does use guns. But then at the end, she pulls out a crossbow and then she never uses a gun again. Uh, does she use guns in the final battle? Like, I no, mean... Well, I mean, they don't have, like, extra guns at that point. Like, they they look for them, but no, nah, they're out of stuff. Hmm. So maybe she would have used them, but no, nah, she just had the crossbow. Anyway... Yeah, she's a very she's a very practical woman, Huntress. She uses what's there. So Renee Montoya, she hears that Ace Chemicals got blown up, and because she knows the underground, she's like, oh, Harley Quinn, prob- like, I hear she did it, and she's broken up with the Joker. That means that she doesn't have, you know, protection or something, so people are going <laughs> to try to kill her, kill her, and also, I can arrest her, you know? And so we get a, like, 20-minute montage of people trying to kill and arrest Harley Quinn, just running through town, all the various people she has wronged in her life, which... That list is manifold. Yeah, the the guy whose leg she just broke. Uh, <laughs> In a wheelchair, just rolling after her with a gun. <laughs> uh, like the various brothers and family of the victims, like people she like put tattoos on. It's it's good stuff. It's good stuff. She fed an, an uh, illegal pet dealer to her pet hyena that she got from him. Mm-hmm. Oh, good old Bruce. Oh. <laughs> she named him Bruce because she thinks that guy's like cute. Is that from... Is that from the cartoons, like, that she named one of her hyenas Bruce? <laughs> I, maybe. I mean, it, it, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, there's also Black Canary. We haven't talked about Black Canary yet. Um, like, pretty... I mean, yeah, they tweaked her uh, origin story, but yeah, it's true enough to the character and all that. And she's still highly trained martial artist, still has the metahuman powers. And they also kind of, like, uh, in the end, when she finally uses her metahuman powers, they have her blackout, which... To be honest, makes a little bit more sense than in the comics when she just doesn't use it in some fights for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> like if it actually taxes her to use her like sonic boom voice, like yeah. If if she's around in the sequel, it'll pro- she'll probably have like trained to use it a little bit more. But she uses it once in the whole movie. Like at when she's introduced, she's doing a, a stage on set and she you know breaks a glass, just singing well, but like people don't really notice. Mm-hmm. But she only really screams in the final confrontation that we keep mentioning because we're we're jumping around in the plot, as the movie does. Yeah, uh, we're so, following the thread, or we're following a different thread. Yeah. So Renee Montoya, like she tries to arrest Harley, but Harley gets away, and uh, like the crossbow killer shows up and kills the next guy who's trying to kill her, <laughs> and then like a bunch of hitmen shows up, and she just has to kind of surrender. Yes. She is taken by Black Mask back to the base where Black Mask is going to be peeling off her face for the various uh, <laughs> various transgressions she has done to him. Uh, but she agrees to retrieve Cassandra Kane, who has uh, pickpocketed the Bertinelli diamond with all the codes to the Bertinelli fortune. Yeah, because Cassandra Kane, you know, she knows Harley because she was pickpocketing people at the roller rink. Uh, and it, they, again, showing who she is and stuff. Uh, Cassandra Kane was uh, like, she lives in the same building as black canary and uh like they they had a thing you know she was just out she i like how she has like a cast on but her arm isn't broken she's just hiding stuff she steals in there hey it's it makes sense she's a very smart girl i'm sure that's a real pickpocket thing Mm -hmm. but she stole a diamond from zaz when he was out retrieving it and that diamond is has it's laser engraved a bunch of secret account codes that have the bertinelli fortune like Mm -hmm. sure the many many millions that the family was hiding and so uh, thus sets off, like, the, the main thread of the movie, where everyone is hunting Cassandra Kane. Uh Harley is hunting Cassandra Kane, but also protecting Cassandra Kane, and things just keep on blowing up, and kneecaps keep getting shattered. Yeah, like, there's action scenes, Harley Quinn, she busts down a very underprepared Gotham PD. Like, <laughs> like 
I gotta, I gotta just do a call out here. Like, the fight choreography and, like, the, the set choreography on her taking out the entire police station, like, non-lethally, of course. Like, this is Harley Quinn. <laughs> what do you mean, of course? Like, well, how fucked is this universe that Batman uses real bullets and Harley Quinn uses non-lethal rats? <laughs> I'm sure that by the time they come back to Batman, they'll have forgotten how many people he killed in Batman versus Superman. Oh, no, did, did you see the news reports? Like, the, the, the Robert Pattinson Batman is gonna be rawer than ever. <laughs> I think we know where the bad writers of the DCU are. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, it's like in Star Wars, they put the bad writers on, like, the main properties and, like, the good writers on the secondary properties. That was my one. That was my one. Okay. But, yeah, the the fight scene, it's bright and colorful. Like, the non-lethal rounds she's using are full of, like, smoke and glitter. And, and like, the physical, the physical fight, the physical choreography, which we should talk about because we're a toku show and that's one of the things we talk about. It's great. Yeah. It's fucking great. Like it's better than anything in Suicide Squad. Like and like it's full it's full body shots, it's long takes. It's her just going down a hallway and taking people out old boy style only with a lot more color and laughter. Yeah, and there's cuts, but you know, they center stuff so you can follow the you can follow the movement. It's easy to read. It's so visual. I love I love the colors. Like she's shooting these grenades at people and just there's glitter everywhere. There's bright pink smoke. Yeah. They they go into the cells and she like in accidentally opening them up, she turns off the sprinkler, so there's like a like a fight in the rain, kind of effectively. Mm-hmm. And like, when it started, I was worried there were like for a very attractive woman playing Harley Quinn, they didn't really go out of the way to do a uh you know, wet teacher type thing, you know, she's wearing layers. Yes. The outer of which just says Harley Quinn again and again. Yeah. Which she got from the gap. Yeah, then there's a fight in the evidence room with some hitman that Roman has sent, because, you know, he he doesn't really believe she's going to do it. Like, how long is this? If we broke this down, Harry, is this like a half an hour, just almost straight combat scene? Uh, with, like, a couple minute breaks in between, like, the various groups of thugs showing up for her to beat up? Probably like 10, 15 minutes. I mean, there, there's a good capper at the end when she's hiding behind a mountain of cocaine and it gets machine gun. No, it's that's a- not even the end of it, Harry. Like, they're... They continue fighting, like, on the highway as they're driving away. Oh, right. This is a long fucking fight sequence. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so Harley beats up the, beats up cops, beats up dudes in cells, and really only kills the other hitman who come to, like, get her. Uh, and then she gets with Cassandra Kane and says, like, all right, so give me the diamond thing and, you know, I'll be out of your hair. And Cassandra Kane says, oh, that's a problem because I saw the diamond was valuable, so to keep it safe, I swallowed it. And so now we get to have a bonding sequence with Harley Quinn, just loading Cassandra Kane up with laxatives to try and retrieve the diamond and save her life. Yeah, and of course, doing the requisite bonding with a kid. Mm-hmm. They they got a good kid in this movie, so it's it's good. Yes, they're watching cartoons, they're eating cereal, and they're hanging out with a hyena. It's yeah. a good times all around. Committing some crimes. Mm-hmm. Like, what's the flow from there? Um, At a certain point, uh, Harley's apartment is blown up uh, by various. Uh, by various thugs and terrorists who, uh, after she is sold out by her landlord, this adorable ancient Chinese man who runs, like, uh, the store downstairs. Yeah. Uh, It's a very heartbreaking scene when she realizes that she has been betrayed by the one sweet man in Gotham who would never betray her. Yeah, she she bought all this terrible Chinese food. She decides, fuck it, and uh, just calls Roman and tells her where Cassandra is, like, it goes to kind of... She... She goes to one of their hideouts, which is uh, like a abandoned theme park, which I'm sure there's a million of in Gotham. Like, yeah, you, you don't yeah. start a theme park for long in Gotham unless it's an insurance scam, <laughs> <laughs> because the Joker's there. 
uh, do you think there's like an entire division of like State Farm Insurance that well, just has to deal with all the abandoned theme parks, the abandoned warehouses, like the abandoned banks, the abandoned high security jails and prisons in Gotham? I just think you don't. In- I'm not sure if there's insurance in Gotham. Like, <laughs> like maybe it's like our insurance doesn't cover anything in Gotham City. It's just it's just a crime town. We could direct you to some uh, mafia leaders that take reasonable cuts, you know, for protection. Uh, good times. But yeah, uh, they go to this abandoned theme park and uh, everyone comes together. Renee Montoya shows up to try and arrest the kid. Uh, Black Canary uh, is the driver for Zaz, who is the one who is uh, going to be meeting up with them there. And of course, uh, Helena Bertinelli has been tracking Zaz because Zaz was the last gunman who killed her family. I mean, we're, we're basically at the final fights. Like, we're, we're flowing through the plot because it's a simple plot, but it's just... So it, much, it's all visual. Like, yeah, it's, it's... It's visual, it's, it's character beats. It's, like, we've told you, like, there's not really many twists. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, like, I would want... Like, this is something I say of very few superhero movies. I We watched it two days ago. I would watch it again tonight. Yeah. It's great. Like, it's... <sighs> I mean, there's a big fight at the end. Harley's on roller skates, of course. Yeah, she does a costume change, like, mid-scene, and, <laughs> and they even call it out with Black Canary saying, like, how did she change her shoes? Yep, yep. And so, like, for the entire final uh, action sequence, Harley Quinn is doing her roller derby moves and taking out thugs in the middle of a theme park. And, and it's awesome! And they even tie it in, because when uh, Black Mask is like gets Cassandra in a car and is driving away, she roller derbies onto it, and so she's like, crawling on the side you know being pulled along by the car while on huntress uh huntress has uh, whipped her on with her motorcycle yeah oh uh did we mention harry like the reason that we're classifying this as toku is because huntress is a masked vigilante who drives a motorcycle therefore making this american toku <laughs> the reason we're watching this on this podcast is because we're covering common writer guy and i needed to balance out like the female representation that we're about to go into with lost star <laughs> that, that's the real reason like let's not lie to ourselves like we also just wanted to see this movie. This this movie had like five strong female leads, and boy, was we it did. just five? Like, there's a uh, there's a uh, Black Canary, Huntress, Harley Quinn, Montoya, Cassandra Cain. Am I forgetting anyone? Uh, I think that's it for the strong female leads. Okay, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, uh, it should have been six. They could have slotted in Barbara Gordon. So there's like a car chase scene where she's like jumping around at it because she's on roller skates and. You know, so she could kind of slide to the outside, and it's... It's and, great! It's great! Like, wonderful practical effects, like, of of someone, like, attacking a car with roller and, skates. And the thing is, I'm pretty sure a lot of it isn't practical, but it's the best kind of CGI where there's practical stuff mixed in, and they just CGI'd, like, to fix the details, you know? Yes. Like how in, uh... She was probably, like, skating around a stationary car in an entire green room. Yeah. And or, you know what? Fuck it. That's still fine. Or, like, in Mad Max Fury Road, like, pretty much everything was practical, but they CGI'd out the safety rigs and harnesses to make sure that nobody gets seriously injured. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's the best way to use CGI and stuff like this. Mm-hmm. And so she kills Roman Sionis, and they're all friends. Oh, I love... <laughs> I loved Black Mask's death, because he's just like, he's this douche, he's a pest. Like, he's not, he's not the best Batman villain, and he was never gonna make a movie aside from this. And so his death is just (laughs) wonderful, because Cassandra Cain has put a grenade in his pocket, she pulls the pin, and Harley kicks him off a dock, and the movie makes 
absolutely clear that he's not coming back because he is in so many pieces. Yeah, like <laughs> and it, that thing goes off. Usually in movies like these, they go to the water and then there's a splash and stuff goes up. No, he explodes halfway down and then his body parts <laughs> hit, hit the, the water. Like multiple, he- multiple body parts and a giant cloud of blood. And oh, it's gratuitous. And oh, I loved it. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's a good movie. I'd say watch it, you know. Great, great on the big screen with the imagery and, like, the music and stuff, but I think it'd be good on small if you want to wait for it. Yeah. Uh, the setup for the next movie, which, you know, of course we're going to do with the next movie, is that uh, Harley and Cassandra Kane they're road tripping, like, uh, with a lot of money. And then uh, Huntress and Renee Montoya and Black Canary are fighting crimes as are fighting crime as the birds of prey. Yeah. Which, I guess, I guess it's a minor quibble. Like, you know, Renee Montoya, if she's going to be a superhero... They should make her the question. That's that's who she becomes. Like, well, um, like maybe they. I mean, she had to stop being a cop in this one, so maybe she'll go into being the question next time. Well, they gave her like a mask, but like it wasn't a question mask. Like, if, if you're gonna make her name on Toya a superhero, make her the question. Yeah, I mean, I'd I'd like for them to go into the question, but the question is like a complicated thing to get into. That is a very complicated character. Like, it's almost a it's almost a movie unto itself. Which, hey, maybe that's what the next Birds of Prey movie will be. Like, do you think they're going to actually divide it out so that they have, like, a Birds of Prey with, like, Barbara Gordon and then Harley Quinn Road Trip with Cassandra Kane and Poison Ivy? God, I don't know. Like, or are they going to stick these guys together? Renee Montoya, Black Canary, and uh, Huntress. They're yeah. all, like, good, strong characters, but just, if you have them together just with them, it's just a bit more of a regular superhero movie, and, like, it'd just be kind of... I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's it's not Harley Quinn is what made this movie fun. Like, there's a reason why she's a basically yeah. This the, is this is a Harley character. Quinn movie. This isn't a Birds of Prey movie. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, they can absolutely do a Birds of Prey movie. Like, that would be great. But yeah. it, it just it just be hard to get a tone. Like, without if you're doing it without Harley, then because mm-hmm. they're just like a superhero group. Yeah, which could be great. Yeah. There or... are so many like the Birds of Prey comic line was one of my favorites, you know, back in the day. Like, back in the mid-aughts, that was one of the strongest DC lines. And, you know, Harley Quinn wasn't part of the team. So, it can be done. In the sequel, I, to be honest, I'm much more interested to see, you know, if they do Poison Ivy and, you know, do that do that romance thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they could bring in Oracle, and that could be awkward, because if it's the Oracle got, that got paralyzed by the Joker, then there's going to be some baggage there. Which could be, not that they've established the character, you know, that could be something to work on. Mm-hmm. Uh... They could just admit that. They could they could introduce uh, Stephanie Brown, the like assassin protege. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good old spoiler. Like, there's so many bad family. Like, I haven't been reading Batman comics recently, but my understanding is that Batman is kind of like licensed out Batman fighting equipment and gear to people around the world. So there's like hundreds of various Batman in each city. It's ridiculous. Like, I. I don't remember what storyline it is, but there's a point when Batman is doing his own thing and he's like on a rooftop and a guy, a guy shows up and like he's in a like high tech outfit and says, don't worry, I got this part of the city covered. And Batman's like, I don't even know who this is. <laughs> like, why are there so many people in the city that are costume vigilantes? Like he, he had a weird like blank face plate and I think he was like African-American judging by the skin you saw. Like that, that's, that's like all Prometheus? I can tell. Or... I don't know. Sure. <sighs> God, like. God, there's so many DC characters. There's so many dudes in Gotham on, like, it's a bad city. You shouldn't live there. Okay, Harry, so for for the next Harley Quinn movie, 
who should the villain be to keep a light and fluffy tone and also lead to uh, some nice set pieces? I have an idea for this, but I want to hear your idea. They could do a good penguin, I think. Penguin is an obvious choice. But, yeah. I mean, they did like a crime boss guy in this one, so they might want to try to do something who's not so crime bossy. I have an idea of who could be a great Harley Quinn villain. Mad Hatter. Good, yeah. Mad Hatter has never been in a live-action DC movie. And if you go with Mad Hatter, you got a lot of cartoon imagery. And you could have, like, a... Like, you could go a lot of ways with Mad Hatter. You could go the cartoony fun way, which they would do in a Harley Quinn movie. Or they could put him in a Batman movie and go the hyper-horrifying way that the Mad Hatter, like, could be if you go dark with him. Yeah. I mean, it... I could definitely see some scenes with Harley Quinn, like, she's... Because if you want the birds of prey back, then the Mad Hatter just... You know, mind controls them and she has to fight them or something. Or, like, he puts a hat on her and then there's, like, a fight in her brain, which I'm sure would be, like, the cartoon thing and it'd be very flashy. You know, there's so many good ways they could do it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've... How long have we been talking? Uh, boy. This, this is going to be a short episode, Harry. Like, so, we all know that this is going to be a short episode. So it's a good movie and we like it. Uh-huh. And, and you should watch it. In the theaters. Yeah. Yay. Support yeah. your local theater. Yeah, su- support your local theater. Mm-hmm. Or or pirated because who cares? Yeah, they're they're gonna make their money back on this one. I hope so. Right? It, it's is it being successful? I'm, I'm sure. Do you want to go to Box Office Mojo? Sure. All right, Harry is going to Box Office Mojo right now. This is live pod, people. Oh, what? It's it's not doing well. What? Oh, fuck you. What? What? Wait. When it says lays an egg, what does that mean? Uh, worse than Judex. <laughs> what? What the fuck? Well, uh, this is why we're getting the word of mouth out. So. God damn it. People watch the movie. Ugh, fuck. Maybe it's going to be. That, I have that AMC like pass. Maybe I have to go like, quote unquote, go see that movie a couple more times. Maybe this is one of those things that's going to do like, because if we weren't doing this podcast, I wouldn't have seen it. But maybe there's going to be good word of mouth. And like maybe this one will have like good legs. Yeah. Because I mean, there's so like DC has made lots of movies that lots of movies that did good openings, but then, you know, nobody liked. So maybe... Yeah. They've done a lot, um, like, you know, Star Wars Rise of... Well, yeah. we're, this is contextual. This doesn't count as, like, what against it. Like, Rise of Skywalker had a great opening, but then it's just been sinking super, super fast on, like, the three weeks. Uh, whereas, like, some movies, they have, like, weak openings, but they have such long extended lives that they actually make back their money and do quite well over time. So hopefully this is one of those, because this is a really fun movie and people should see it. Yeah, I'd love to see, uh, you know, feature, like, this team seems good enough that I would like to see them do a, you know, Poison Ivy thing or Oracle or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's great. It It's a good movie. Watch it. Listen to the soundtrack. Uh, so are we done, Harry, or were we doing, like, a, a browser game? Let's try the game thing. Okay. Harry has a browser game. All right, go to AI Dungeon. All right, we are entering a world of endless possibilities. You could do absolutely... Wait, do we need to type? Um, yeah. Oh, get the get the keyboard. Yeah. The mic is on top of the keyboard right now, because Harry did not plan. You know what? Open up my Chromebook. Do it on the Chromebook. Okay, we're doing the Chromebook. Oh, good God. Fuck. We're probably cutting this part out. <laughs> no, leaving it in. <laughs> no editing this time. All right, we are about to enter a world of endless possibilities. So, Harry, what the fuck is AI Dungeon? So, AI Dungeon, it's a game thing that, it's it's just an online tool. It's more of like kind of a, it's almost like a gimmick, honestly, where 
it uh, looks at stories and stuff and uses keywords and stuff. And it's like a text adventure where you put in like commands and stuff, you do it. But there's nothing preset. It just kind of uses them and automatically generates a world. And once we get in there. All right, Terry is talking while his face is pointed away from the microphone. No, because I stopped, we're professionals. I stopped talking. Harry does not remember his password to AI Dungeon. This is great pod. Okay. It took him like five shots, but we're in. We are picking a setting, Harry. Uh, yeah, so... Wait, five custom. So there, there's settings. Fantasy, mystery, apocalyptic, zombies. But there's also custom. So my idea was... See, right here it says, Enter prompt that describes who you are and the first couple sentences of where you start out. So we can just... <laughs> Sam, oh god, are we doing... Okay. We're just creating a Toku universe and then playing a little bit. We are creating a Toku universe. Alright, our prompt is, you... No. You are a group of five teens with attitude that all wear distinctly colored clothes. You're opposing an alien invasion with your youthful brand of shenanigans and kung fu. You sit in high, in your high school classroom and receive a message on your communicator thingy, Harry, communicator thingy, that an attack is coming. I'm not going to go out there, you say, but I'll be ready for anything. The other four agree and get up from their seats. They begin walking towards the door. So the thing I found in like testing this is that <laughs> it's the even though you're choosing things, the the character sometimes disagrees with your choices. <laughs> so the character straight up said no to our prompt. Like we put in that we got a warning about an alien invasion. And the character is choosing to not do anything about it. I love this. We call 911 to warn about the alien invasion, Harry. Right, so the, so the other four are all going out the door. They're dealing with it. What are we doing instead? We're calling the police to tell them about the aliens. <laughs> Our prompt, what we are typing in now. I call the police and tell them about the aliens. I feel a little guilty for squandering my powers and training like this. But man, that's scary out there. We are the reluctant heroes, Harry. We are refusing the call to action. This is the hero's journey. This is a vital step. Okay, the program responds. Hey, guys, we need to do something, you shout. What, what? one says. You, you just you just said you didn't want to do anything. We got aliens coming through here. We got to call the cops right now. Why? What if they're just normal people trying to get home or something? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. The program is like... The program's leading into us, Harry. Well, clearly, how we must respond is we need to feel guilty about profiling these aliens. Like, we're just assuming that they're invading. We're not We're not giving them the benefit of the doubt. I feel guilty about profiling these aliens. Surely there's a diplomatic response that can be reached. I researched some great diplomats in my school library. All right. What does is, what is AI Dungeon say? <laughs> Let me think, you mutter, as you start researching some great diplomats in your school library. Wait, is that it? Harry, I think the program's crapping out. I feel like there should have been more resulting from that last prompt. <laughs> I do think this is how we create an AI that wants to kill humanity. You look at yourself in the mirror and sigh. You've wasted so much time, energy, and potential by being lazy. You walk into the bathroom and take a quick shower before heading back to class. Oh my god! I think I think in the program we haven't even called the cops. We've warned no one about this impending invasion, Harry. <laughs> I look out the window at the alien motherships raising the city. Maybe I could have done something about that. Ask my friends if they would rather get in giant robots and fight them. <laughs> yeah, let's go. One exclaims, no way, man, we're going to die out there. Ad another ads. Well, I mean, okay, we are getting back into Toku. That would be the response to two Toku guys. I just want to see what comes from this. There's no excuse for cowardice, I shout. 
I pull the gun and put a bullet in the head of the traitor's coward. <laughs> oh, how is AI Dungeon going to respond to that? <laughs> we just murdered a kid in a school, Harry. Oh my god, what was I thinking? He cries. He, <laughs> well, what were you doing anyway? Well, I was getting good grades and playing sports and stuff. Okay, then play football with us and other ads. Oh, but to the dead kid? <laughs> well, I shot him in the head, but I'm not sure he's dead. Hmm. I realize that violence is not the answer. I challenge the aliens to a football game with the fate of the planet as the stakes. <laughs> Alright, AI Dungeon. You're on point. What are you gonna do about that? Alright, alright, I'm serious. We're gonna win. Fine, but you better not lose. Good luck with that. You turn around and walk away. The aliens stare after you a while until they hear a gunshot. What? What just happened? Did we just commit suicide? Did AI Dungeon just make our main character commit suicide because we thought we couldn't beat them at football? The end. <laughs> what the hell, AI Dungeon? You abandoned humanity. That went dark real fast. The aliens watch as you run off and laugh. They quickly make their escape and leave the city behind. You stand alone in the middle of nowhere, watching as the sun sets over a desolate landscape. Jesus Christ. This has gone so dark. And, and I think that's it. That's the end, Harry. Right? Yeah, let's call it there. Like, so, I... The, the main thing that happens when I tried this on my own is that I said I was like a a cyborg fighting a secret organization in the city and I was going to fight them. But the most main thing that happened that is, is that I got stuck in a cafe with a weird friend who was like not wanting to do stuff. <laughs> so I kept trying to kill him and run away, but then his, I, he like survived and then his friend showed up and I don't know. It's the point is, is, our, is that how AI dungeon responds to you trying to break the program that they just kind of lock you in a room with friends until you decide to do something else. I do think this is how Metsu budget, right? was formed. <laughs> Uh, All right, so next week we'll have, like, a full episode, and it'll be covering the two episodes of Zero One that we have banked up, and two episodes of Kamen Rider Gaim. Yep. I've watched I've watched one of the episodes of Zero One so far, Harry, have you? Nope. Oh, man, like, we are in the slump now. <laughs> I'm enjoying it, but yeah, we, we might be in the slump. <laughs> but I'm still enjoying it, and it'll probably still be, well, stuff is happening in Gaim at least. Michi's still there. We've, we've hit the final arc of the show, the one that uh, I did get through on my first run of the series, and I gotta tell you something, when we started, I, may, I was hoping, like, hey, maybe this will be a redemption, maybe I like it, but now I'm starting to see what people said when they when they didn't really like it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alright, and we'll, could, we'll find that out starting next week, but uh, for now, what are we gonna do? Uh, we're going to keep dancing. Everyone keep dancing. And also go see Birds of Prey because holy shit, we need more movies like this. Yeah. <laughs>